Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. I hope everyone had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving with family and friends and and all the accompaniments that go with it. I hope you had a glorious, glorious time. You know, the show, as they say, showbiz-wise, the show must go on. So if my voice sounds a little, well, that's because I am under the weather. Um, Not so good, but the show must go on. And uh, the weekend was strictly straight out of a Clint Eastwood movie. The good. Raging Cajuns get a win in thorough fashion to become bowl eligible. The bad, with seemingly so much to play for, what appeared to be an unprepared, non-emotional LSU football team went into college states in Texas and laid a proverbial egg from being outcoached to being out-hustled to being outplayed. LSU was just bad, just bad. And then there is the ugly which is the New Orleans Saints, shut out by the San Francisco 49ers, ineptitude at its finest, how mighty and how quickly this franchise has fallen, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any brighter anytime sooner. All the Saints can hope and pray for is that somebody can convince Sean Payton to come in to get back into coaching immediately, take over their franchise, and the Saints can get some draft picks out of the deal. And they need to make some changes. They need to trade some players and get some draft picks. It's time to rebuild this thing because as it stands, it's just not any good. So it was a weekend of the good, the Raging Cajuns, the bad, the LSU Tigers, and the ugly, the New Orleans Saints. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons right there on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles, 1041 FM. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you've been near a television set, you can pop us on, get a face to the voice. Because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Raging Cajuns took it to Texas State in the regular season finale. A must-win scenario, and the Cajuns did it, dominating in a 41-13 win over the Bobcats. They get to 6-6. Six and six. They qualify for a bowl berth, and oh, by the way, an Independence Bowl official watched the UL game in the press box for the second time in the last three games. So congratulations to the Cajuns, congratulations to Coach Mike Desimo, um, and congratulations to all you UL fans, UL's all-time series lead over Texas State. They played 10 times. The Cajuns are 10 and 0. Not shabby. That's the kind of team you want 
Draylen Washington led the Cajuns with um, their 165-yard effort on the ground. He had, ran for 73 yards and a score. Chris Smith, 69 yards and a touchdown on 13 carries. Uh, and the Cajuns won despite giving up 221 yards on the ground to Lincoln Pare, the Texas State running back. Uh, they just figured out a way to get it done. Chandler Fields did some good things um, as the quarterback, going 16 of 26 for 187 yards with two touchdowns and one interception. Cajuns will play a game 13. Where and against whom, we'll find out um, next weekend. Um, Texas A&M blocked and tackled LSU players Saturday night. LSU did not block well enough overall, did not tackle well enough all night long. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, A&M stuns LSU 38-23. to 23. The overall analysis includes kickoffs that went out of bounds, dropped passes, a crucial loss fumble resulting in a touchdown, bad reads, missed throws, another slow start. Um, everything that you need to do to win in the SEC and particularly on the road, LSU did not do. If you don't show up to play at an optimal level, at your best, you're likely to lose in this league. If you show up, if you don't show up against an opponent that's going nowhere, whose entire season is bent on one game, and you don't show up mentally or physically, you're going to lose. Now, what's so perplexing is that LSU didn't show up. They showed up literally, but they didn't show up physically. They didn't show up mentally in a game that meant so much. That's what is perplexing. That is what is stunning. Stunning. It still does not overshadow the outstanding season LSU has had. So all these bandwagon fans, y'all got to chill out. You know, fire this guy, fire that guy, change the whole thing up. Whoa, you weren't saying that when you beat Alabama. You weren't saying that when you beat Ole Miss. You weren't saying that when you beat Florida. You just weren't. Now, you said it when you lost to Florida State. You were like, oh, my God, this, this, this program has sunk to the, to the levels of the abyss. But they got better and better. Why they didn't show up mentally, why they didn't show up physically, I, I have no control over that. I have no clue. That's on the coaches. That's on the players. Brian Kelly was outcoached by Jimbo Fisher, who's done an awful job this season. But for one night, they look good. And for one night, Brian Kelly and his staff had an awful night. And so did the players. So did the players. So now LSU is regulated or relegated, excuse me, to trying to overcome the defending national champion, an unbeaten team in its home state close to home. Georgia will be a prohibitive favorite in the game, and they are. Season's not lost. There is no getting to an, uh, uh, the 14 playoff, no matter what happens. That, that's done. But you get a chance to play for an SEC championship, the toughest league 
in America, and you win the toughest division in the toughest league. So it's been one hell of a year. It is. Now, can LSU ratchet it up? They've proven. If they play like they did against Alabama, if they play like they did against Ole Miss, they can play with anybody. They can play with anybody. But for one night, for whatever reason, unbeknownst to anyone, the real LSU Tiger team on the biggest stage of the year for them didn't show up. And they didn't show out. And they got a slice of humble pie. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And then there's the New Orleans Saints. What what do you say about this franchise? How quickly, look, after three consecutive seasons where where the Saints had 500 record or, or, you know, like people were talking about Sean Payton as he lost it, as he lost it. Um, everybody's talking about Dennis Allen, and there's no question that the Saints have sunk to a new low with the ugly shutout loss to the 49ers. There is no question about that. Um one of the most frustrating games and one of the most frustrating teams to watch. Um, the last time they were shut out was back on January 6, 2002. Same team or same franchise, San Francisco 49ers, routed the Saints 38-zip in the 2001 season finale in the Superdome. Um, against the 49ers, the Saints... Looked a lot like the sloppy, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong outfit. Just Saints basically self-destruct. Crucial penalty penalties at inopportune times. Crucial. Chris Harris, personal foul penalty before halftime. Led to the game's only touchdown. A false start by Ryan Ramchek on fourth and five cost Dennis Allen to forego a fourth down conversion attempt and try for a 48-yard field goal, which, of course, on this day, Will Lutz missed wide left. A couple of holding calls in the second quarter pushed them out of field goal range, led to a punt instead of another field goal try. And Alvin Kamara, where was he? What was he on? Lost two fumbles, one deep in his own territory that led to a 49ers field goal early in the game and another at the 49ers' one-yard line that took potential points off the board for the Saints. Wow. For the third consecutive game, the fourth in the past five, the defense failed to create a turnover. Again and again and again and again. Saints are 4-8. and eight. They need to win out to avoid their first losing season in five years. Four and eight. The Saints lead the league in false start penalties and turnovers. Their last in turnover margin. It's simply a bad football team that doesn't lack effort. They're just a bad football team. So we'll cover it all today for you. The good The Raging Cajuns at 3 o'clock with Gerald Broussard. The Bad, Glenn West at 2.30, Blake Rafino at 3.30. 
and the ugly, the New Orleans Saints, next with Chris Rosevergloo. That's what's in store for you today, Monday, November 28th. The game wants to stock your stuff. Okay, let's start over again on that one. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentor Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentor Jewelers and the Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll talk about the New Orleans Saints when we return here on the Jordy Helper Show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Well, we are back. No way to describe it other than uh, mind-bogglingly frustrating, pull-your-hair-out Um the way the New Orleans Saints play football. Chris Rosevergel is here to kind of make sense of it all for us, if at all humanly possible. But to me, Chris, the Saints have sunk to a new low, um, and I don't know how they get out of it. How are you, sir? Hope the Thanksgiving was good. Uh, Thanksgiving was good. I hope everything was good for you guys here at the game. And I, I, you know, you said mind-boggling. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, they lived in 49ers territory all of the second half, and for them not to come away with a single point is just – uh, absurd to me. You know, you think about the missed field goal, think about the, the fourth down sack of Nick Bosa, you think about the fumble from Alvin Kamara, just so many opportunities that just went to waste. And I look at this game, I thought the defense was outstanding, and I'd love to sit here today and just rave about how well that unit played, but it almost gets overshadowed by the fact that what you mentioned, they didn't score a single point, and that, that is just wild for me. I thought the effort was there. I, I mean, you're right. I thought the defense played their hearts out. I just, where is this team amiss? What, who do we point the finger at? You know, I think for yesterday's game, I think there's two kind of fingers you point at. Is one is the offensive game planning. What identity were the Saints really trying to like establish yesterday? They didn't run the football particularly well. In terms right. of the pass play, there were some plays there. You know, the Chris Olave catch that wasn't apparently a catch was something that was demoralizing. I think there were some plays designed for. Rashid Shahid that went very well, and I just think the game planning could have been a little bit better, especially in the red zone. You think about the last trip that they had, they called four pass plays in a row from the five. I think at one point you got to maybe use Taysom Hill on design run, see if that works. Didn't necessarily try that. That was a bummer. Uh, and I think in terms of the execution, Jawan Johnson kind of let a ball literally hit him in the face. Taysom Hill yeah. dropped that back shoulder fade in the fourth quarter. Uh, Alvin Kamara, obviously, you cannot fumble inside the five, so I think part of it is game planning offensively, but also the offensive playmakers. They didn't step up today uh, on Sunday, and I think you saw that against the 49ers. It's been like 20 years since, um, in fact, the, the last shutout was in 2002, so it's been 20 years since the Saints have uh, gone down this road. Everybody is is looking to, to point a finger somewhere, as, as you just mentioned, um, Dennis Allen. what I mean, players have to play, coaches have to coach. Coaches have to game plan. Coaches have to motivate. Uh, where do we stand with Dennis Allen? What, what do you think ownership thinks? 
I think they're still going to use the next five games to kind of figure out what's next. I'll say this. If they somehow lose four of the next five, I just don't know how he comes back. Five and 12 would be a really hard sell for next year's roster and be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. He'll, he'll be back in the picture. That just for me, I just don't know if that's in the cards for him. Uh, that said, we talked about it. I, I thought the defense the last two weeks have been really good. You know, I think the game against the Rams, they've really stepped up. And I'd say yesterday I thought they stepped up, and I think it's worth noting that the defense has done this without Pete Werner, without Marshawn Lattimore, arguably their two best defensive players this year. So I think in that regard, I'll give him credit. The defense is still playing well over the last couple of games, and that is his side of the ball. He's supposed to specialize there. So that's encouraging. But to your point, you talk about coaches, they got to lead. they got to get people to you know wake up on Sunday and be motivated to play football. And I don't know, I just – I offensively, I didn't see the urgency. Now, is that a Pete Carmichael problem? Is that a Dennis Allen problem? I think time will kind of give us the answer there, but one side of the ball has looked lethargic for the last couple of weeks, maybe the last month, and that's a problem. And I don't think it's as simple as a quarterback change will solve the Saints' problems. I think they have exactly. legitimate issues that won't be fixed until the offseason if they make the right moves. So I think for Dennis Allen, the next five, the next five games are going to be telling. Uh, he can't really afford to lose anymore at this rate. If he could get to seven wins, I think he'll be back next year. If he gets even to six, maybe he's back. But five and twelve, four and thirteen, I, I just don't know how they keep him. Here's a stat for you: um, Sunday was the 48th game Allen has been a head coach. Only once have his teams won back-to-back games. That came in 2012 in his first season with the then. Oakland Raiders, they beat Jacksonville and Kansas City in consecutive weeks. Since then, his few wins have been always followed up by a loss. So to think this team can go into Philadelphia and win or go into Cleveland, I mean, we're we're, we're beyond reality here. Uh, we're beyond reality. So, um, I mean, I'm looking ahead to the future. This season's over and done with. Um, I'm looking uh, and I'm trying to think of, okay, they got to pray that Sean Payton, excuse me, gets back into coaching and some team is willing to forfeiture, you know, give up, you know, the whatever draft picks we can get from that. And I wonder if this team doesn't start shedding some of his assets to start kind of over again. By that, I mean, hey, running backs get old quick is alvin Kamara getting that way do you you try and market him and get some draft picks you see where i'm heading here yeah i see where you're heading and i i think that's probably the the logical situation for the saints like i've always said i don't think the saints need to blow this entire situation up and and completely rebuild the roster but i do think they need to retool that and i think there are two guys in particular that i would look at for starters i'm actually and i know this is something saints fans will be kind of upset about because he's a great player and a great leader but the Saints know they have a young linebacker who's emerging in Pete Werner, and Caden Ellis has been just a, kind of a revelation the last three weeks. He really weeks. has. If the Saints yeah. are interested in kind of having that be their linebacker duo of the future, you could trade Demario Davis, who doesn't have a huge cap number, send him to a contender, which would be doing right by him. He'd be able to go compete for a Super Bowl next year, and you'd probably get a decent day two pick in return. I feel like that's an option there. You mentioned Kamara. I think at the very least, the Saints need to get a running back in the draft. They need to get younger at that position. Uh, if Alvin stays, great. If not, they still need to address the position. So I think that's something I'm looking at there. And, and I agree with you. Look, if you're in New Orleans' spot, there's still talent on this football team, a lot of young talent. You think about Eric McCoy, Lattimore, Olave, Alante Taylor, maybe, maybe Trevor Penning. 
So I think the Saints have enough talent that even if they move on from two, maybe three notable names, they can still be a competitive football team next year. But I do think it would make sense for them if they do need a retool. They have questions at quarterback. They have questions on the coaching staff. Why not go accumulate some picks if you can, if it's right financially? And you're also Mm -hmm. doing right by these players, these guys who have been on your team for the last four or five years. They'd have a chance to go compete elsewhere. So I don't think it's an, an awful idea at all. Uh, and to your point, right, you talk about this year and whether or not it's over. You mentioned the not being able to win back-to-back games. The Saints have two games coming up now against the Bucks and Falcons are that important. And if they're going to make a run at any point, they'd have to win those two games. But you just brought it up. They haven't shown us they can win back-to-back games. So for that point, yeah, I would, I would be willing to look ahead from now and start thinking about what roster moves they should make. And, and I mean, try as they might, the Saints' final possession. First and goal at the 49er four-yard line. They still could, When the 49ers knew they had the game won, they still couldn't punch it in. I mean, golly. I don't get yeah, it. I, I, and, and I'll I add this, Shorty. I don't think the 49ers even played their B game yesterday. They definitely didn't bring their A game. Yeah. I don't even think they brought their B game yesterday, and the Saints still yeah. couldn't capitalize. Man. Um, and look, they held the Rams, the Chargers. I mean, I don't know. Um 49ers are good. There's no question about that. But And again, it was a golden opportunity because they knew going into it, Tampa Bay had already lost. Atlanta had already lost. And here's a chance to get into back into contention. And they still they still don't. What um, What is missing? Is it the play calling on offense? I, you know, I keep saying make a quarterback change, but, you know, Andy Dalton's throwing the ball pretty good, except for that one time he couldn't get his uh, – hands set on the ball and just threw it into the dirt. I understand that kind of stuff happens except to Mahomes and Brady and those kind of guys. But um, maybe did we overestimate that we keep thinking we have so many offensive weapons that we should be able to score points or are what we think are so good, not so good. I I don't know. I, I wish I, I really had the answer. You, you go back and look and, like we said, they, they lived in 49ers territory yesterday. There, there was no reason at the minimum the Saints shouldn't have walked away with, I would say, 17 points yesterday. I think they squandered a lot of opportunities. Missed field goal from Lutz from 48 yards. The, the goal line fumble. The other goal line stand with four straight passes inside the five. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's the playmakers as much as it is they can't score in the red zone. It almost feels like there's a lid on the end zone when they get yeah. down there. And I also think a bigger problem for them is what's their identity right now? You know, a couple of weeks ago, right. even a month ago, when we were talking about the Raiders win and we talk about the Seahawks win, they were running the football really well. I mean, they, they, were, they were just imposing their will on opponents. They're not, not doing that right now. Part of it is the O-line being banged up, but I just almost feel like they've kind of lost what got them a little bit of momentum in October. So I think it's kind of twofold at the moment. Yeah, well, they're a penalty-plague team. They commit plenty of turnovers and they don't force any turnovers. That's just not a good combination uh, to have. So it was ugly. It was frustrating. I mean, that's not how you want to end your Thanksgiving weekend by watching that kind of stuff. Thank God Yellowstone came on later, <clears throat> which put me in a better frame of mind. I, I, I 1,000% agree with you, George. I, I, you know, after Thanksgiving, the last thing you think is you go into the Saints game, the defense will play lights out, shut down an offense that has Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. George Kittle, and they would still lose by 13 because they wouldn't score a point. That, that for me, I would have never imagined that. As bad as the season's been, I, I, like you said, to start off the segment, 
it's a new low. It, it certainly felt like a new low. You are the very best. I cannot thank you enough for um, for joining us again today, and uh, we'll try and do it again next week, hopefully uh, with a better result. But the result is going to see what kind of changes are made in this off season, so you don't go into this tailspin of several years like this that you can bounce back quickly and become a uh, uh, a viable playoff contender. That that's the big change. So big big off season for this club, and we'll see what kind of changes are coming. But Chris, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Jordy. All right. Chris Roseverglue, the best in the business. He really is. It's another two for one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get $40 in vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn for only $20. That's $40 in vouchers to a gourmet popcorn ship that has over 40 flavors. You can get it all for half the price. Once again, Visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get $40 in vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn for only 20 bucks. From the ugly to the bad, we'll try and figure out what happened to LSU when they went to Texas A&M. Boy, the defense just was an absolute no-show. Glenn West will join us next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 34 minutes after the hour on this Monday, November 28th, uh, December's right around the corner. With time to talk about uh, LSU um, and all things involved with it with our good friend, uh, Glenn West, who's kind enough to join us each and every Monday. Glenn, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little baffled. The fact that LSU showed up literally, but they didn't show up physically or mentally. With so much at stake, I, 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 it's still mind-boggling to me. It doesn't take away from the overall season, but the timing of it just seems so odd to me. Uh, take me back. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, just uh, really inopportune timing for LSU to run into A&M that finally put it all together, it looked like. I mean, that was a uh, pretty dominant performance by the Aggies in the trenches. You know, I thought LSU got dominated on you know offensive line, defensive line, front seven was uh, pushed around like we really haven't seen all year. Um, you know, Devon A-Chain being back in the rotation for the Aggies was – uh, just a, a underrated move that I think a lot of people maybe just didn't uh, appreciate just how valuable he'd be to that game. And uh, I, I certainly didn't think he'd have the effect on it that he did. I mean, he he really controlled that game from start to finish. Um, LSU really had no answers um, for, for, for Texas A&M and for what they were doing uh, with the run game. And so, you know, it's a, it's a disappointing finish to the regular season for sure. Uh, you know, LSU now doesn't. Uh, is not in the college football playoff picture, but they're still playing for something this weekend, which is really interesting. That's the whole thing, man. You're still playing for a championship, and that means that means everything. But look, for a team that, that shut down Ole Miss's vaunted running game, shut down Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, they couldn't stop that action at all, 215 yards. They could never stop the run all night. Um, 
they had dropped passes. Kyron Lacey, I'm not naming names, but two critical third down drive killing drive. That just tells me that's a team that's not mentally prepared and not 100% focused. That's all it tells me. Yeah, yeah, I think there's certainly a case for it, and, and to, to, to say that, and you know, Brian Kelly kind of alluded to it after the game that he couldn't really put his finger on why that happened. He, I think, 24 hours leading up to the game, uh, he he kind of alluded to as maybe LSU wasn't its uh, fiery self; it wasn't fired up as much as they had been in past weeks, which is uh, a little strange. But uh, you know, you. I mean, this is a team that's still learning the the process. You know, this is yeah. a, a group that's still got to put it together. Uh, you, you've seen flashes of it. You've seen uh, this team really have some really great moments this season, but uh, just haven't been able to do it consistently. And and really the big takeaway for me was, you know, the last five weeks or the previous five games before uh, LSU went on this magical run to clinch the SEC West. And, you know, the, all these expectations were put on this team and, Really, I think what you saw on Saturday night was, you know, them kind of revolving back to the mean, you know, the median of where they're at. You know, they're probably yeah. not a top five program yet. Right. And they're, they're a good also, team. They're, they're a also, good team. Yeah, a very good not team. Not a great they're, team. They're a good team. And then they, they deserve to be in that conversation for a while. But uh, I think you just saw a team that just wasn't ready for the moment yet. And that's okay. I mean, this is still year one of Ryan Kelly. So there's still a lot that this team has to accomplish and move forward. And here's what gives me hope. Let's just reverse roles. Now LSU is playing the role of A&M. They got nothing to lose. They're going to go to a nice bowl game. They're not expected to beat Georgia. Georgia's got all the pressure on them. Although Georgia's still going to be in the playoff, whether they win or lose. But LSU can just hang out and just let it loose. And I expect them to come back um, with a totally different demeanor in this one. But everything hinges on the injury to Jaden Daniels. What's the latest you're hearing there? Yeah, so you know, we asked uh, Kelly about it yesterday. There was an SEC teleconference with him yesterday. Uh, sounds like they avoided a serious injury with him. They were worried about a high ankle sprain uh, for a little bit, but uh, all the tests came back clean. He's in a walking boot right now. They were going to get him out of that boot uh, for testing tomorrow. And if he's able to get through the series of testing that he needs to, uh, he'll practice, and, and they think he should be available for this weekend. So, you know, they're not going to rush in, rush him into anything. Um, right. I think that's the smart way to play this out. He went down a couple times uh, in that game, and you want to make sure that he's feeling comfortable with that ankle. Um, so uh, that's just kind of where he's at right now. This goes to show you, man, there's no easy – wins in that league there's no automatic wins you better show up and you better be ready to play uh or look i can i can vouch for that personally as a player back in the day but i mean you got you got to show up and play all these other schools give scholarships and they pay their coaches a lot of money uh and on any you know on that one night and that that was a&m yeah, and that's been, you know, one of the things that I think Coach Kelly has even learned this year is, you know, if you're not at your tip-top shape, if you're not playing as best as you can, uh any team in 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 this conference can can win on a on a given on a given day. And LSU just they for whatever reason didn't have their best on Saturday night. A&M took advantage of it and really from that 
lost fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, that that was really the the ceiling moment there because the crowd was into it from right. from that point on. You know, you right. kind of shut down the crowd a little bit in the third quarter, and really that one play, you know, a, one mistake just kind of flipped everything on its side, and LSU just wasn't able to recover. What do you anticipate Saturday in Atlanta? Uh, I, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I, I think this, what this team has done all year <laughs> long is, you know, they've, they've bounced back after a loss and they played really well. I mean, uh, you know, they, they, they lost the Tennessee game and then came back and regrouped and beat Florida. And that started their run into what they're, uh, you know, put them in this position right now. And so, um, I, I expect this team to be a lot more focused. Um, too. I expect them to play this, uh, to play up to this competition. This is not going to be a, an easy game by any stretch. Georgia's the top team in the country for a reason, um, but they've shown some cracks too in the last couple of weeks. They've they've had a tough time putting you know their last two opponents away. Uh, they've really started to establish the run game the last two weeks, which is uh, not good news for LSU. That's coming yeah. off of giving up you know over 200 yards to to A and M, but uh, you know they they've got to get more physical. I think that's probably the biggest thing is LSU's got to get more physical at the line of scrimmage, and if they can do that. Uh, then I think they put themselves in a better chance to to keep compete with Georgia. This kind of reminds me of the first time LSU went to the SEC championship game. We played Tennessee, and Tennessee had known for a long time that they were going to be in that game, mm-hmm. and they had 80, 80% of the tickets. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. We'd never been there before. We didn't know what to do. Um, and I remember walking on that field going, oh, my gosh, we, we are in trouble. Well, LSU played a great game and beat them. Um, I think George is going to have the majority of the fans in this thing. I I think there's a lot of LSU fans that maybe were going, thinking about going that aren't going to go now. And maybe some that bought tickets that are looking to try and sell them to somebody that that's the feeling I get. I I may be wrong, but that's just kind of the feeling I get. I mean, we'll see. I I mean, LSU has got a, a extremely passionate fan base. You know, I think a lot of those, those folks will, will still make the trip. Um, I'm, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be going as the media guy for 24-7. So that'll, boy. Be, that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, it'll be a good game. And, um, yeah, I, I, look, I think w- the way you got to look at this from a fan's perspective is if you had come into this season and you say, okay, we're going to beat Alabama, knock them out of their chance to, to be in a college football playoff. We're going to win the SEC West. Uh, and we're going to be playing in the SEC championship game and and have a chance to really uh, cement yourself as a, as a program to be reckoned with for years to come. I think that's a scenario that 10 out of 10, you know, LSU fans would take. Uh, and I think really what the last five weeks did uh, was kind of build some expectations that right. maybe weren't exactly, you know, Right, or just right. just weren't able to be able to capitalize on. So, um, you know, you you lose that game last weekend and it stinks. But uh, there's still, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement around this game, and there's a lot of excitement about what this okay. team can prove uh, as they head into you know the first the first real off season of Brian Kelly's uh, tenure here. We have seen some crazy things happen. So it was just a bad night for a good, not an outstanding LSU team, and it just came at the wrong time. Leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but you're in. You're playing for a championship, and who'd have thunk it, right? Who would have thunk that? So, um, so we shall see. Meanwhile, LSU's basketball team, Matt McMahon's club, uh, had a close one against uh, Winthrop. 
right? Wofford, uh, Wofford. Wofford. I think I went through later on. Wofford, that's right. Kind of got hosed out of the game when they were on the islands. Uh, What do you see in this men's basketball team now? Yeah, so still some some shaky play. Uh, I watched some of the highlights of the game yesterday. I was driving home from uh, from College Station, so mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to catch it live. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I just keep coming back to what what does LSU do to combat their size issue? I think that's a real problem with this team right now is how they're gonna you know match up physically with some of these SEC teams, and so. Um, you saw it even against Wofford here in, in you know last or on uh, on Sunday. Just this was a, a a team that you know got got out rebounded. Um, they they you know they they were able to hit a couple deep shots on them and get keep kind of keep into this game. Um, not not really sure what what else you can do about the size except that you just you've got to be able to send all of your players at the rim to rebound and to box mm-hmm. out. Um, that's going to be a real issue for this team and. Uh, you know, the other issue is, you know, who's going to be kind of your paint enforcer? Who's going to be your guy that when you need a, bu- a bucket in the paint, who's going to be a guy that can go in and get you that bucket? And I think, you know, a lot of the talk coming into this year was that was that was going to be K.J. Williams. He started off fine, but he's also gotten into some foul trouble because he's been the the go-to guy. You know, he's yeah. been the, the guy that they've asked to, to really be – at the center of their defense and, and teams are attacking him and he's gotten into, but he's got to score. He's he got to stay on the court, right? Yeah. And you got to be able to, you got to be able to stay on the court and he can score. He's a good outside shooter. Uh, he's, he's more of a, uh, you know, I think a, he's probably more of a finesse player than he is. your back to the basket. Typical big. Who does he, um, com- so. who does he compare to you from maybe for the fans that haven't seen them from LSU teams in the past? Is there anybody, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of maybe a more physical, uh, uh, Tasman Mitchell, you know, Tasman Mitchell okay. was a guy who could hit, you know, your perimeter shot. He could, uh, you know, be a back to the basket kind of guy. Uh, but, but, you know, KJ is, is, is a little bit bigger than Tasman was. Right. Uh, he, he, I think there's a little bit more range in his stroke and, and, uh, his back to the basket ability. Um, so, you know, I think he, he's going to be a physical guy for LSU. He's just got to stay out of foul trouble. And if he can do that, then that's that, that, that's a recipe for success for this team. But they, they've, they've got to have all the size they can get out there because they're very, yeah. uh, you know, not they're not they're not at the guard or wing positions. You got a little uh, you got a little playing time in you yet? Come on, big fella. <laughs> we'll see. No, I uh, I think my playing days are behind me for sure. Um, one good thing that I really like, the SEC Big 12 Challenge is going by the wayside. SEC ACC Challenge, both men and women, is starting up next season, I believe, or yeah, next, next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah, so maybe, maybe LSU North Carolina in Peach pa- How good would that be? LSU Duke. I mean, like yeah. the ACC for – I mean, for everybody. I'm, I mean, for everyone who out there who li- does watch college basketball, you know that the ACC is That's like the the, it's the pinnacle conference for college basketball. Yeah, and so, yeah. for the SEC to be in that kind of a uh, uh, you know series where <laughs> you know LSU down the road could be playing the likes of Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State. Um, there's there's a lot of really great great basketball programs with a lot of rich histories there, mm-hmm. um, which which makes for an exciting event, and that'll get started next year. Uh, on ESPN, so uh, it's it's going to be really um, gonna be really interesting. I, I'm excited for it, and and you know we'll see how LSU kind of kind of does in that you know situation. 
not that the Big 12 is bad because they got some really good teams in yeah. that league, but the ACC has still has the clout and, and the weight. Yeah. Uh, when is Kim Mulkey going to play a team with a pulse? I don't know. That's a good question. I, um, you know, to be honest, I haven't checked out the women's team uh, as closely as I would like to uh, in the last couple of days. Been uh, really, you know, focusing right. in on football. But, um, you know, look, they're, I think you're not going to really get a good 12th sense in the country. This. 11th or 12th. I think they're 11th or 12th in the country. They're seven and no, yeah, and they're undefeated. I mean, they're, they're wiping the floor with everybody they yeah. play. I think we really just have to wait until they get into conference play to see how this group really stacks up with, uh, you know, the South Carolinas of the world and, and all that. So, uh, still, I think a TBD there, but they've, they've got the talent to make a deep run. That's absolutely, uh, for sure. Matt rule to Nebraska. Willie Fritz from Tulane might be going to Georgia tech. Uh, Lane Kiffin staying put and Hugh Freeze to Auburn. Is that the deal? Yeah, actually, the Hugh Freeze to Auburn news just got finalized just today. Um, oh. you know, Ross Dellinger of SI just tweeted it out about a minute ago that Hugh Freeze is off to Auburn. So lots wow. of uh, lots of changes coming in the SEC, lots of changes coming, it looks like, in, in Louisiana as well. <laughs> uh, Tulane could be looking at a new coach. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the – we, we know all about the coaching changes at LSU. They've been through a lot of them over oh. the last year. Uh, and, you know, it's been uh, – now that they have some stability there with some of those main sports, it's nice to see some of the other teams kind of take some of that, you know, off of LSU's plate because it was Mike, a yeah. stressful last couple of years. Mike Leach is off the hot seat. He won the Egg Bowl. Maybe, maybe it's Stoops' time. He might be the one. The leading uh, – I don't know what they think about it, Vanderbilt. I have no – Shane Beamer might be – if not for Kirby Smart, he might be the coach of the year in the league from what he's done. Yeah, yeah, Beamer. I mean, those two wins against, against Clemson and Tennessee. I mean, those are just huge, huge wins. Crazy to finish off that season. And yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I think there's probably a lot more movement to come, and certainly with the mix of you know the early signing period coming up here in December, um, that's that's it's all going to be the. The offseason doesn't stop for, 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 for programs once you get into December, January. So it'll be interesting. We'll see the quarterback room. It all hinges on what Jaden Daniels says, and there might be some movement there. But, hey, they're playing for an SEC championship, and I agree with you. I expect this team to be loose, to be focused, to be energized, and give their best shot. I mean, everybody in the conference, it's like a Monday night football game. Everybody in the world's watching. Here's your chance to show up, show out. And for those that are going to the hope to go to the NFL, a chance to improve your stock, um, there's a lot to play for. Yeah, you got nothing to lose either. I think that's yeah. that's an important point lost in all this. Right. Is, yeah, lost to A and M. I mean, you're you're playing for an opportunity now to get to the Sugar Bowl if you win this game, and and, and if you don't win this game, you're looking at God, I'm a looking tier a mid tier bowl, probably a Citrus I, Bowl. I saw Citrus bowl. bowl versus Purdue. What? Yeah. Purdue? Yeah. Man, that's it's it's just a oh. mighty fall. Matt, a mighty fall with these last two weeks. Let me do my let me do my Steph Curry imitation with my head on the pillow. Yeah. That's yeah. a snoozer. Oh yeah. Man. Glenn West, two four seven sports. You're the best. Have fun in Atlanta, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordy. Appreciate it. You got it. it, my friend. Um, if you're looking for a great Christmas gift, they make sure to check out AcadianaDeals.com. Today you can get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just $15. That's a $30 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only $15. We'll be back to wrap up hour number one next. 
Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 55 minutes, uh, 56 minutes after the hour. A couple little notes as we close up our number one. Daryl Dickey leaving Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M squad. That opens up an offensive coordinator position that uh, people have been anticipating. Fisher wasting little time on that one. Deion Sanders confirms that he was offered the head coaching job at Colorado. So we will see what prime time does as uh, M. Yes, uh, they are finalizing the deal to send Hugh Freeze to uh, Auburn, which opens up Liberty, which is one of those um, lucrative jobs out there. Abundance of resources, and they're moving into Conference USA. So, so we shall see. Much more on this in hour number two. This is the Jordy Helpert Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We'll talk to Cajuns when we return after the top of the hour break here. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on Monday, November 28th, the year 2022. I hope you had a fabulous uh, Thanksgiving. I said at the beginning of the show, it was a it was a weekend of the good. The Ragin' Cajuns get bowl eligible. The bad, LSU just doesn't show up mentally or physically in College Station, and the ugly... Ooh, the Saints out in San Francisco. Wow. So let's talk about We've talked about the ugly. We've talked about the bad. It's time to talk about the good as we begin our number two. And that means we're going to talk about the Raging Cajuns. Boy, if they played Texas State every game, it seems like they would be up for a national championship. They dominate that school. Gerald Broussard was there in San Marcos, Texas, as the Cajuns get a dominating 41-13 to win. He's here to share it with us as he has in the past. We're very thankful for that, Gerald. Happy belated Thanksgiving and congratulations. Your alma mater, um, backs to the wall, win and you're in, got it done. Yeah, Jordy, appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it was one of those games where you, you anticipated being a little closer than it was. But, and truth be known, as you said, if the Cajuns were able to play the Bobcats every week, it, it'd be a good life. Well, it, it, it might get old because it's <laughs> it's been dominating. It really has. And, and uh, you know, Texas State has played some really good defense. They're playing really well at home. They were 4-1 and one at the house. Their only loss was to Southern Miss at the end of the game. And, and for the Cajuns to do what they did was a little bit surprising. But uh, – only surprising with the ease of it, not that it's surprising as far as, you know, just beating Tech State because, Jordy, to be honest, Cades always beat Tech State. Yeah, 10-0. Uh, and 0. As I said, you get 165 yards on the ground. You spread the wealth there and look like old Chandler Fields had himself a nice night as well. 
he did. He really did. And, and look, it got after him a few times, and it's a team that, that's caused some, a lot of pressure getting after quarterbacks and a lot of tackles for losses. But I thought he, he handled things well. The guys up front picked put, picked up a lot of movement and were able to be physical with it. And, and uh, I was glad to see Chandler come back. I thought he started playing better in the second half of the Florida State game. You know, after, you know, he went out with an injury and then didn't get any snaps coming back. And then all of a sudden you're going against Florida State. And, and look, yeah. right now they're playing about as good as anybody. And, they sure are. And, but, but, yeah, but towards the second half, he, he started playing a little better. And, and, and kind of came out, started out hot for the Cajuns, and then kept it going. And then we were able to get a few youngsters in there towards the end, which was good. But I was really happy for Chandler to come back and have a nice night. Um, Gerald Broussard with us, the um, color analyst, former coach, former player for the Rage Cajuns. You know what I like the most about the game from what I have heard and whom I've talked to is the approach – that Coach Dez and his his staff took. Man, they were aggressive from the get-go. I know it caused some, some nervous moments. You had a turnover and downs. You had an interception. But that sends a message to your team. We're, we're not playing for to keep this thing close or to get to the fourth quarter. We're going we're gonna to try and win this thing early. I love that. Yeah, no, it was. And that's kind of living up to Coach's his philosophy there. You know, there was times during the middle of the season where – you know, take the field goal, get points when you can and all that stuff. But it's really not what the way Coach Dez wants to play. And, and we knew that the way Texas State was going to force things up front, their, their third level, you know, their safety sitting in, in too high but playing down fast on the run, they were going to have to take some chances to get them, get them off of them, get the safeties back and at least – yeah. honor the deep ball and so yeah, they, they they turned it over really it, it was max protection in there and, and you know it was a two-man round both guys have to be double covered Chandler took a chance on it and you know he at, at some point you would say well maybe the receiver can play defender at that time but the receiver is just going for the home run he's trying to outrun him and and that happens but I tell you, they came back for majority and you know Texas State ended up getting three scoring drives they, they had but they those drives, in each one of those drives, there was an explosive play. Two times there was an explosive run. The other time there was a, there was a long pass throw. If the Cajuns just kept those things from happening, Texas State could not score. They couldn't even move the football. The Cajun defense yeah. was getting after them really good that way. So that part of it, as far as Coach Dan's being aggressive with it, he just had a lot of faith in, faith in his defense to be able to hold their team down, and, and, and they did. Boy, I like this Garrar kid. God, he is fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I know there were a couple of flags thrown, but man, does he make things happen? Did we lose Gerald? I think we lost. Hey, Gerald. I just got you back, Jordy. Oh, there we are. But he he just makes things happen, man. Well, and you were talking about the Cajuns being aggressive. That's Eric. I mean, he, he he made some plays in the second and has been. I mean, he doesn't get picked on much. He's a guy with a little bit of a lack of height, but he, he's always there and, and, and Johnny on the spot when the ball's around him. And then as a returner, I mean, he has I – mean, it's an offensive play to Eric. I mean, he takes it as a challenge to, to get the ball. As long as he can get under it and get it centered up, He's got the ability to catch the football and see the rush, see the see the guys covering at him. That's 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 rare now, and uh, but yeah, he had he he scored twice that both times it was taken off the board. But he's an explosive cat, and he is a weapon. When you can uh, you know have an offensive play out of your punt return, that's special.
Yeah, had a pick six call back, uh, but it still led to a touchdown because the infraction occurred after the interception, and he had a 74-yard punt return for a touchdown that was taken off the board as well. But, man, what a dual threat defensively um, and then in the return game. He returns kickoffs. He had like 103 yards in, in returns on the night, so that's that's pretty darn good. Um First year, I, look, nobody expected this team to equal what um, what happened a year ago. You lost too many players and all that. But you're 6-6. Six and six. You, you win the last game to get bowl eligible. You've been there for the entire season. What, what are your thoughts about how this season went? And how do you feel about this team? Good. I tell you, I, I start liking them more and more every week. And this is a group that it's – and the, the season gets long after after the, the amount of games and the amount of weeks and stuff. But man, I, I, I kind of like to see it extend a little bit just to see the the, the continued development of the group. And uh, yeah, I, I think that you, you you said that stuff about the, losing so many players, and it's a lot to overcome. But you know, this is a team that hadn't faced a lot of adversity either, but really came through a lot of different adverse challenges to them, and and. I thought Coach Dez and his guys did a really nice job coming back from it. They've heard all the negatives that we've heard, and, and, and they hear it. But, you know, you fight through it, and you find a way to get there. You, you, you lost guys to the portal, and you lost guys to academics, and you lost guys to attrition and graduation. and you just. But the guys who stayed, they stuck together and stuck with it. And I think it's going to be a fun team to follow in a bowl game and see how they handle that part of it. And, and and I'm really kind of – we saw a little flash of what could be in the future, and then I'm kind of excited about that too. Uh, yeah, in the future, you, you got to play some some guys that hardly ever play, and true freshman Zeon Chris at quarterback um, got in there. A uh, little scoring drive. What do you think of him? We, we may have lost him again. Okay. Um, well, Zeon Chris um, – the final scoring drive of the game hit transfer quarterback turned receiver Lance Lejean on a 37-yard touchdown pass. So we saw a little bit of the future. We saw a little bit of the present. We saw a little bit of the future. And now we just wait and see where um, the Cajuns are going to go. Uh, a lot of people think it's the Independence Bowl. Um, I don't know. We shall see. But with their backs to the wall and all the pressure against them, uh, they came through. Look, all these bowls, they want to get teams that are going to travel. And it's not that far of a drive from Lafayette to Shreveport. It, that's doable, very doable, um, if that's what the Independence Bowl desires to, d- decides to do. It's all about trying. The, the worst thing in the world is have a bowl game and nobody's in the stands. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, it looks um, early reports have Baylor versus Maryland in the Independence Bowl. Uh, we, we'll see. I, I don't know. That's going to be determined hey, down the road. A lot of things have to, to – just because you're 6-6 six and six doesn't mean you're guaranteed of going to a bowl. Um, pretty much pretty close to it, but not a stone-cold lock – guarantee period it would be foolish to ask the raging cajuns to go to the pinstripe bowl up in new york i mean that's not going to happen um so we'll see uh the lending tree 
has UAB versus the Raging Cajuns. We'll see. We will see. All right. Uh, we thank Gerald Broussard uh, for coming on board. I don't know how we lost him or why. It's just uh, he's back. Gerald, you're back? Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm looking at some pro- projections. Has the Cajuns playing UAB? In the Lending Tree Bowl. I have no idea where the Lending Tree Bowl is. Might be in Birmingham or something. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's in Mobile. But I, Mobile. I say we did visit in the, at halftime with a guy from the Independence Bowl. And uh, uh, he, he couldn't tell us that it was going to be the Cajuns because there still are a couple of people that they're talking to also. He said right. as far as the, the representative from the American Conference, it was, so it's, it's, it's set up to be Army and somebody from the American Army has got a challenge to become bowl eligible because they have two uh, Division One AA or FCS uh, wins, and you need to have six Division One wins to be bowl eligible. So they would have to get a waiver to, to get in. But if, if uh, the, the representative for the American would either be Houston, Memphis, or SMU. And then if it were Army or the Cajuns or Perch Southern Miss also. But right now, indications are that kind of leaning heavily towards the Cajuns and one of those three teams from the American. Uh, as far as the others, you know, I, I, I know there's just rumors about where the other bowls, the conference is tied into. But, yeah, we did get to visit with, with a, a fellow from Shreveport who's a lawyer in Shreveport that was representing the bowl. He was at our George Southern game at the house, and then he was there in, in uh, San Marcos uh, watching good. us play again. So, yeah, could be good. Could be good. Jordy, we used to play for the Independence Bowl when we were in the Southland Conference 100 years ago when I was playing. Gerald, and the Cajuns have never played there. So that, Gerald, that would be really neat. It's a two and a half game. You Jared can do a Gerard Denardo became the coach at LSU, and LSU was like, we're going to the Independence. It was the greatest thing ever. Until we got there, Gerald, it's the coldest I've ever been in my life. In Shreveport in late December, it was beyond. And I'll never forget, LSU played Michigan State, and that guy coaching Michigan State was that guy named Nick Saban. Um, and it, it was Plaxico Burris returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Very next kick, Eddie Kennison returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Back-to-back touchdown kickoff returns. It was crazy. And we beat the heck out of him. Little did we know that he was going to become the LSU coach and change everything on that campus. But um, congratulations. Uh, that's terrific. Uh, you know, pressure, you got to go on the road. You beat the team nine straight times. You keep wondering, man, this, every streak, even Luke, uh, even Cal Ripken's streak came to an end. Uh, so is this mm-hmm. going to be the time? It could have been the worst time ever. But the coach set the tone. The players delivered. Man, that's a big-time win. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. How far is San Marcos from Lafayette? Well, we flew into Austin. If you were to drive it, it's just north of San Antonio, between Austin and San Antonio. And so, you know, six six hours if you're driving it. Uh, We flew into Austin, stayed there, and then then, uh, did the bus drive down and then back to the airport and got home. You got it. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Thank you, as always, my friend. And uh, we'll talk when we figure out uh, where the Cajuns are bowling, and we'll go from there. But you got one more game left in you. Can you handle it? I can handle it. Got no problem with that. Hey, and I appreciate all you do for your support, Jordy. Thank you. You got it, buddy. Gerald Broussard, congrats to the Cajuns. Um, bowl bound 
and we'll see whether they go to the Independence Bowl, the Linden Tree Bowl, wherever, Mobile, Shreveport. Um, that's that's quite the reward for these players um, this season. That, that's terrific. All right, we'll take a timeout here. We'll come back. We'll, uh, we'll venture down another path as we continue onward. But first, first, the World Cup is back. I think tomorrow it's uh, LSU, uh, LSU, USA versus Iran. USA's got to win it to advance. If they don't, if they tie or anything less, they're done. So tomorrow's a big day, and you can watch the World Cup and all the thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette Free Over the Air on KLWB Channel 50.3, Cox Channel 19. For Lake Charles listeners, World Cup fans can watch on Telemundo Lake Charles Free Over the Air on Channel 19.2 and Sudden Leak Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action on Delta Media. We're back with more after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, who appear they've got a new first baseman after this timeout. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. At 21 minutes after the hour, it is official. Hugh Freeze has agreed to a deal to become Auburn Auburn's football coach next season. Freeze will be Auburn's third different head coach in the last four seasons after taking Liberty football to unprecedented heights in his four seasons as the Flames head coach. Um, the fact that when he was at Ole Miss and he beat Alabama and Nick Saban twice uh, never hurt. But remember, um, Curly Hallman did the same thing when he was at uh, Southern Miss to get the LSU job. Just saying. Anyway, um, so um, Ole Miss is going to keep their coach. Auburn got their guy that they wanted. I don't know how, you know, if that was their first choice, second choice, third choice, whatever. Doesn't matter. That's who they've got. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach. Um, yes, I believe people deserve second chances. And uh, now we'll see how he handles the pressure cooker that is the SEC, and particularly Auburn. And those people behind the scenes that run that place. Deion Sanders confirmed he has been offered the Colorado job. Would he leave Jackson State? And go play up in the coach up in the cold of Colorado. I, I don't know if Dion needs the money. Do you think? I mean, didn't he make a ton uh, as a player? And he's got these commercials and all. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. And and we'll see. We'll see from uh, from there. Meanwhile, uh, big day for the Astros. Um, first baseman Jose Abreu. And the Astros are in agreement on a three-year contract, um, adding another run-producing bat to the World Series champions lineup that's already filled with them. Abreu's 35. He won the American League MVP award in 2020, second in baseball with 863 RBIs since his first season in the major leagues of 2014. He had 304 this year with the White Sox, 
for whom he played all nine of his big league seasons after defecting from Cuba. Um, and look, that's after a dreadful first five weeks where he was like hitting nothing. Um, over the final three quarters of the season, the Brady hit 335. Um, but his 15 home, 15 home runs over the entire year were a career low. But Abreu joins that lineup. Fellow Cuban, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, Jeremy Pena. That's a pretty good lineup. Abreu will replace Yuli Gurriel. Um, Gurriel's good fielder, not a good hitter, not as good of a hitter. So an upgrade uh, for that. So... There you go. Second signing this winter for the Astros, who re-upped reliever Rafael Montero on a three-year, $34.5 million contract. They still hope to sign Justin Verlander, who could command upwards of $40 million a year. Now, the Astros' payroll, projected payroll, is currently at $175 million. <laughs> They've exceeded $187 million each of the previous five seasons. So if they if they hope to sign Verlander, they're going to be way, way over 175. You're, you're talking, you know, over 200 million. So um, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. Uh, if you would hope to see Tiger Woods uh, play in the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas, uh, you're not going to see him this week. Uh, he has withdrawn because of, plantar fasciitis in his right foot. Uh, he made that announcement today. The tournament benefits Woods Charity, TGR Foundation, uh, was supposed to be his first start since he missed the cut in the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews in July. Turns out Woods had uh, COVID. Uh, that just came out, and um, he just wasn't himself. So... Um, there you go. If you've ever had plantar fasciitis, man, that is, that is painful. Especially if you're trying to walk a golf course, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. Um, so now Woods, 46 years young, uh, competed in just nine rounds in three majors this past season. His first start since he was seriously injured in that car wreck outside of Los Angeles in February of 2021. So no Tiger Woods uh, on this one. The Houston Cougars. Last time they were number one in the country, they had a couple of guys in basketball. They had a couple of guys named Akeem the Dream Olajuwon, Clyde the Glide Drexler, and a team affectionately known as Phi Slamma Jamma. Um, well, a group led by Marcus Sasser and Jairus Walker are now the number one team in college basketball, according to the Associated Press Top 25. They received 45 of 63 first place votes from the national media panel, easily outdistancing second place Texas and third place Virginia. Did you see Alabama and North Carolina? Alabama, North Carolina had been number one all season. But the Tar Heels lost to Iowa State over there in one of those Thanksgiving tournaments um, in, in Portland, the Phil Knight Invitational. And they lost yesterday a four-overtime thriller to Alabama. Yeah. 
Alabama. Just to show you the difference, college football is heavily populated by SEC schools. There's not an SEC school in the top 10 in college basketball as of right now. Arkansas is the top-ranked team in the, in the league. They're at number 11, tied with Alabama. Tennessee's at number 13. Auburn is at number 15. Kentucky is at number 19. Now, don't be skewed by Kentucky at number 19. Oh, they must not be any good. <laughs> they play Michigan State. They play Duke. They play Kansas. They play all these top teams in the preseason. John Calipari's philosophy unlike many other college basketball coaches, is they play tough teams in the preseason to get them ready for conference play. John Calipari is not worried about how many wins he gets early to pad his statistical category. He wants to be ready for March when the tournament comes and make a run for the national championship. I love that philosophy. His players love that philosophy. Every team would love that philosophy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, what Kim Mulkey's doing, what Matt, I can understand Mac McMahon. I, I really can. But look, you're in the first year, you got to play tougher teams. You got to play tougher teams because all you're doing is giving your team a false sense of security. Oh, we're really good. Well, wait till LSU opens up and wait till, that, wait till Arkansas comes into town. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay. All right. And Kim, when, when you start playing some teams with a pulse, Okay, then we'll find out. It's easy to play these, these teams and beat them 100 to 30. What does that do? Builds confidence in your team? Okay, well, I, I, I don't like it. I hate it. I wish they would play some good teams and maybe win by five than horrible teams and win by 80. Just I just don't like it at all. But, hey, that's their program. They can run it the way they want, and they will. They won't listen to me. Uh, but if you want fans in the stands and you want team people to, to support your school, you know how many people are at that game Sunday? Nobody. Nobody. Because nobody wants to see those kind of teams. No. Now, if it was a, huh, if it was a North Carolina, the Duke, an Indiana, place to be packed. What do you want? Players want to play in front of packed houses. They want to play against really good teams. All right, end of the end of the soap opera. Um, if you're looking for a great Christmas gift, make sure to check out AcadianaDeals.com. Today you can get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just 15 bucks. That's a $30 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get you a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only 15 bucks. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcaster, when we return here on the Jordy Helpert Show. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 34 minutes after the hour. We know it's LSU Georgia. Georgia favorite 17, 17 and a half. Um, but you know, LSU was a 10 point favorite, uh, going into college station to take on Texas A&M. So you never know. Our next guest uh, joins us each and every Monday. He said it, he said, Jordan, they got dudes up there at A&M and he was 1000% correct. They took it to LSU. They ran it right down LSU's throat and it's just sickening to me. Um, Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast, 1,000% correct, my friend. How are you? 
They're good, Jordy. Yeah, they got dudes, and they'll you know they'll add some more really big time offensive linemen in this recruiting class. So, I mean, look, you just gonna no matter what their record is, so if they're gonna recruit at this high of a level, you got to take them serious. But if LSU doesn't show up mentally, physically, that could have been uh, Vanderbilt and maybe have beaten them. Uh, you, know, you can't go into any SEC game, particularly on the road, and not show up, right? I agree. Yeah, agreed. You can't. And, and again, you when you add to the fact that, you know, look, we make fun of Jimbo a lot, okay, and a lot of it's warranted, but it's not as if he's just a horrible coach. Right, like right. he's not, right? You know, like he 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 still knows the game, okay. And so, I think it was a mixture of number one, they had nothing to lose, kind of like what LSU has this week, okay. Yeah. Number two, they do have some really, really, really talented players, and number you know, and number three, LSU just didn't show up. And Jordy, the worst way to lose for me, if you know, to me, at least to me is when a team just lines up and punches you in the mouth. Right. I would have rathered I would have rathered them throw for five hundred yards. I would have rather Mississippi <laughs> State happen again. Right? I yeah. don't I what I hate more than anything is a team just lining up and saying, All right, we're about to beat the manure out of you. So yeah. you know, yeah. you gotta move forward, you gotta move past it and yeah. you gotta you gotta go out there. Look, you're you're gonna see a lot of the same things again this week. So now you just gotta you gotta refocus and and go out there and do what nobody believes you can do. Yeah, I mean when when you shut down a pretty darn good Ole Miss running game, you shut down Jameer Gibbs from from Alabama. That proves to me when you are prepared and you are focused and you are ready, you can play with anybody. Um, they just that that running defense um, was non-existent, and that's. To your point, that's exactly what George is going to line up and do with a much better quarterback, much better tight ends. Um, golly, you know, but I don't you expect LSU to be a completely different team Saturday? Yeah, I do. Now, it depends on if, how healthy Jane Daniels is. Well, you know, he's in a yeah, – obviously, Brian Kelly talked about, you know, he's in a walking boot, so – you know, listen, if he's not available and he's still hobbled and hurt, then no, I, I think we're we're in big trouble. Oh, yeah. Because I don't, yeah. you know, I, I don't think, well, let me say this. You know, we've seen, we've said this before now, in 01, a backup quarterback came in and, and did something pretty special. But um, I just, you know, <laughs> as it's on the surface right now, if he doesn't play, then you're going to be in you know, some serious trouble. But. You know, I, I think that they come out and respond. I mean, Jordan, what I will tell you is, is that game against A&M, and what this game will show you too, is now you see the lack of depth. When I'm especially in the interior of both offensive and defensive lines, okay? Because even it's not necess- it's not always tempo that happens when you're when you're facing multiple double teams. That's the problems that, that, you know, like if you're doubling a, a guy, a defensive lineman the entire game, it helps your offensive lineman. It really, really hurts your defensive lineman. And when you spread teams out a lot and you try to go fast, you don't have the luxury 
of always getting that double team and why you see a team like LSU being able to just stay with their four defensive linemen. Now when you go out there and you just punch, 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 <laughs> body blow after body blow, that's where it starts taking the problems. And Georgia's going to do that as well. The only difference is, is I think that this coaching staff is good enough and smart enough to teach and be able to help and, and guide in where they messed up at, right? Because Georgia's mm-hmm. also susceptible to some things as well. It's going to have to be a really good player performance, but it's also going to, they're going to have, Georgia, they had six guys in the box and, and 12 personnel, which is one tight end, two running backs, and an eyes back formation. You can't do that because you're going to get your, you know what, kick. And so I think that they adjust. I think Brian Kelly and House and Deb Brock all adjust. And I think this is going to be a much closer game than 17 points. Georgia has seemed to play to the level of their competition. Um, you know, they week. got up for the Every for week. the Tennessee game, but all the, a lot of the other games are a lot close. I don't know what the I, I bet you they haven't covered too 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 many spreads this year. Um, so, boy, it's 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 paramount uh, that LSU, you know, just just be focused, be energized, and and be ready to go, and then let your players play. Well, you, you you still have something you have to play for. You can walk out of there Saturday as the SEC champs. Now, you know, the thing about all this is is how, you know, can Brian Ke- – this is going to be the ultimate coaching job. Can Brian Kelly rally the troops, Jordy, yeah. in reference to telling them, guys, listen, okay, you've come such a far away. Nobody even believed that you were going to be here in the first place. Now you've got to go out there and show them that you, why you are here. You've earned to be here. Now go Absolutely. win it. And, and look, the playoffs in the future, Jordy, will, it will take care of itself. Okay? What, the only thing that I'm worried about right now is I don't even care really tr- and truthfully if they lose. I want to see them respond because you've got so many young dudes on this team. If they come out swinging – Jordy, I'm okay with it. I don't know how yeah. – I don't want them to lose. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want I them to lose. But if this young core and group of guys comes out swinging, because, Jordy, the truth is a lot of them are going to return, that makes me feel better about who – where this team's going in a general no direction. Doubt. No doubt. It, I'm, so I'm same with the that, same way with you. I mean, I don't want LSU to lose, but <laughs> I'm not betting my money on LSU to beat Georgia. It ain't not that. No, I'm not doing that. Georgia until somebody yeah, beats them, either. you know, they're, they're, you don't do what they've done the past two years. And it's amazing. You know, we talked about that, that season that LSU had that unbelievable season. And we lost a ton of players, a ton, a generational quarterback. Um, and so many talented players, Georgia lost a ton of players from that championship team a year ago. And their defense is even statistically is even better this year. So Kirby Smart's got it going on, man. That back-to-back undefeated seasons—that's that's pretty special. Well, and not only that, it shows. It, Orgeron and Kirby should show you two different things. Number one, how it is, how hard it is to sustain, and how hard it is to get to those ten wins each season. Not only ten wins, but a conference championship and making the playoff and all these kinds of things. Now, look, Jordy. I mean, look, Kirby's got a coaching job on himself, like. I mean, how how big do they come in here and want to revenge on losing the 
SEC championship game a year ago. But the thing is, is, you know, teams, look, (laughs) we've all been 18 years old. Trying to get into an 18-year-old's head right now these days is pretty difficult. So he's going to have to get them ready to go his damn self. And so I think it's going to be a slug, uh, a slug fest. And he, and look, Kirby, without saying it yesterday in that teleconference, when I'm sitting there and listening to it, he's like, I don't care that LSU lost last week. Okay. They're really good and they're going to get better. They, just like A&M, Jordy last week has a lot of young dudes up front. So does LSU. So you, I mean, you got two freshmen, a uh, 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 true sophomore and a true junior that's up there who really are all new and going to be back next season. So mm-hmm. you sit here and you start asking yourself, well, it just happened to LSU. Can you pull it off against Georgia? Now, they got to do some things. Georgia, they got to hit the edge consistently. You, if Jaden is good to go, you got to get guys on the edge. You can check the Missouri film. You can check the um, Georgia Tech film in the first half. Uh, why they got away from it, I have no idea. You could check Tennessee in the second half. Teams that hit the edge on Georgia have massive success. LSU, what do they like to do a lot in the zone read? Obviously getting Jane to the outside, hitting those mm-hmm. screen passes. So you're going to have to do that to have success. I think that they can do it. Look, I, I will be honest. I feel a lot better about this team, as crazy as it sounds, from an offensive standpoint and running the football with Josh Williams back than I did last week because I've seen on film week after week after week teams try to run right into the teeth at A&M and then get absolutely clobbered. Now, they had the same problem, which we didn't execute. Teams got on the outside of them. That's how they lost the majority of their games defensively. Yeah. A lot of the same stuff that you gotta, you're going to have to just rebound it, Jordy, I hate to say it, it could dang near be a clone game. Now, Georgia's better, and they're much better, but I'm just telling you, from yeah. a schematic standpoint, it's dang near clone. So now you've got to go out and respond against a, uh, a better opponent. Yeah, the thing that scares me is, I mean, A&M ran the ball right down LSU's throw. LSU couldn't stop right them. down. I mean, couldn't stop them. And that's Georgia, and they got, uh, you know, they're good, and they're going to do the same thing because LSU stand up to that. Uh, consistently, that that's that's critical. Very critical, very yeah. critical. I mean, look again. You got to come out responding. You got to come out swinging. You got to show that you have fighting, and I think that they will. I, yes. I think that they will. The one thing that the one thing I do, I do think that George, that nobody talks about that Georgia has an issue with. If you notice, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see LSU against these ZBs, all wide receiver core. CB core, they got they're really grabsy, they're really handsy. So if you can protect, just even majority, like even average, Jordy, I think you have a fighting chance because the one thing that nobody's talking about is how their DBs have been susceptible to getting beat, and they and, and popping the film. The, I'll tell you this: Georgia Tech took it to them in that first half. I'm just telling you against guys that have no yeah. business taking it to them, okay? Right. <laughs> and it's happened multiple times. And it happened against Tennessee in the second half. If you complete some of those passes, Tennessee completes some of those passes in the first half, those long, deep shots, they're in deep trouble. The, the problem is is that they haven't had a team that is able to execute 
the scheme that has been drawn up to get them there. If you're able to connect on that, Georgia's going to be a serious problem. The last time that they had that type of situation, a team executed on it, Alabama, a year ago. Yep, in the SEC championship game. That's correct. The SEC uh, championship game. The Are You Serious podcast. You mentioned uh, getting the 10 wins and how difficult it is. What, what a stat it is for that guy at Alabama. 15 straight 10-win seasons. 15 in a row. That is unbelievable. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's insane. Is... I, I mean, and Jordy, you know, you know what's going to be the crazy thing is too, if if there's chaos and college oh, yeah. football this weekend, yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, uh, I know they deserve to get. In, I know. You know, do they? Did they deserve to get in over Ohio State? That's the debate that you need to have with yourself. I think that they're better than Ohio State personally, but I do too. You know, I do too. So I, do too. I, I guess it, I guess it just depends on, you know, what you've had. Jordan, they're not out of the playoff hunt. Tomorrow we're yeah. going to sit here and they're going to be five or six, okay. And with some chaos, with some chaos, there's going to be some things that you know they need a lot of help. But yeah. if any fan base knows that uh, you know how to get into a championship game with two losses, it's us. So. I know people don't want to hear that, but they're you know I I, I think they have an outside shot. I tell you what, um, I haven't watched them that much because they haven't played anybody. But you're gonna have to be really good to beat Michigan. You're gonna have to be really, really good because that's that's a yep, football team there. Jordy, I, I'm gonna tell you something that nobody will agree with me, and I don't think that they'll do this because Georgia's the return you know the returning national champs. Michigan might be number one. I don't know if they I, have the. I, I you know, think they are. It, but I, I think that you have to, you might have to give it to them because I, I, Georgia has not. Georgia has not. Look, you can say that they put it on Tennessee. True, they put it on to them in a half. Georgia, they didn't score points in the second half at all. They got locked down in the second half. Tennessee came back and scored 13 unanswered points. I know. Okay, I'm with you. and so so for that reason, Michigan holds the big, the best win of the year. That that's the best win of the year. Nobody has a better win than they do. I'm with you. So and he, here's here's my conspiracy theory for everyone to dwell upon. If that poll comes out, when that poll comes out, if Michigan is in fact number one and Georgia's number two, the committee did it for one reason and one reason only. Because if Alabama gets in at number four, yep. they don't want an SEC semifinal. Period. I, I agree with you. I one thousand percent agree with you. And <laughs> Johnny, it might happen. You know, as <laughs> crazy as it. And look, we and I am guilty. I am guilty of sin with this because you know I, I always tell myself every year I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because at the last two weeks is when everything comes out. And you see everything, but I mean, Jordy, I would have as soon as overtime was finished and LSU beat Alabama, I thought that there was no chance, zero chance that Alabama could get back in it. Think Here about we it. Think about it. They lost two games, both games on the road, by one in overtime by a total of what four points, three points. I mean, to yeah, teams no, that were highly ranked at the time, three total points. 
you can't ever count them out, man. You can't count, count them out. Blake Rafino with us. One quick one. Um, is Auburn better now that you freeze as their coach? I think that they are, and it's good to see that the administration didn't falter to the Twitter mob that came yeah. after Hugh Freeze. I mean, Jordy, look, I, I mean, I get what he did. I make fun of it. I think a lot of us do. But I think at the end of the day, he's a really good coach, and you need a guy that can recruit at a high level, can coach at a high level, and develop at a high level. They got better today. I, I I don't you know I don't know if there's another coach out on the market that they could have gotten that they could have gotten at this current moment that could have been better for them. I, I think they've gotten much better today. I'm with you. I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach. I think they're going to have a good quarterback. Too. And when you get a good quarterback, you got a chance to be a good ball club. Blake Rafino, he said they had dudes. He was 100 percent correct. And LSU's dudes just didn't show up against A and M. But A and M staying home. LSU's playing for an SEC championship game. I'll take it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I Thank you, too. my friend. Have a great week. You. All right, later. Uh, we'll see you next week, Jordy. You got it, buddy. Blake Rufino, the RU Serious Podcast. All right, we'll take our uh, final timeout of the day. We'll come back, a little birthday wish here and there, and uh, tell you what's coming up on the next edition. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to get on up and get on out of here. Special thanks to our guest, Chris Roseverglue on the Saints, Glenn West on LSU, Gerald Broussard on the Bowl Eligible Raging Cajuns, and more LSU talk with Blake Ruffino. Um, If today is your birthday, November 28th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with former Tiger, current Saint, who's not having the year any of us thought he would because of injuries. Happy 30th birthday to Jarvis Landry. Tomorrow, um, more on the Saints, the Cajuns. Um, Bob Rose will join us for his weekly segment, the Black and Gold Report, much, much more. Uh, James Mesh, thank you for everything you do in the producer's chair. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. And thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. We greatly thank you. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy, be kind, and be happy. So long.